But today we're going to take a break from that. One might say we're going to pass over Moses. Hey, hey, come on, laugh a bit louder. If I keep making jokes like this, there's going to be a mass exodus. I'm only joking. I won't plague you with these all day. If it's not funny, it's not funny. Come on. And I appreciate the laughter. My um, parents are here. And it's the first time they've ever heard me speak. So if you could just laugh extra loud, it will save me some, from some ridicule later tonight. Um, I appreciate that. Um, do you know what? I'm actually glad that I've got the opportunity to speak to you today and take a bit of break uh, from Moses. Because um, I feel like there's something going on in G2 at the moment. I feel like it's quite an exciting time. I feel like there's, there's something kind of bubbling underneath the surface Um, And do you know what, it's really quite hard to define, it's hard to stick your finger on it, but it feels as though we're we're building a bit of momentum. It feels as though we're we're growing, that we're trying out new things, that there's a bit of excitement uh, lying under the surface, that there's conversations happening about what the possibilities might, might be of what we could do as G2 as a church. And what it feels like is, if my slides are there, it feels like there's a big wave coming and we're on a surfboard. And we're, we're standing on the surfboard, we're getting ready, we can see it coming, we're preparing ourselves to pop up, as I learned what surfers do when they stand on their board. I've never achieved it myself, I always go face first. It feels as though we're, we're, we're seeing this wave coming and we're building up and it's coming to this moment where we could miss it, we could kind of just keep carrying on, going like we're doing, think, yeah, G2's in a pretty good place, I'm happy with that. And we could miss this massive wave, or we could take the jump, we could pop up, we could take the, the opportunity, take the risk, take, have the faith to see that something could happen. So today's not about me bringing something new, it's about what's already happening in G2 at this moment. I've, I've heard the conversations with people, I can see people trying new things. So all today is about is taking the flames of all these uh, people that are doing things and pouring some petrol on it. Sorry, I'm Northern Irish. Uh, <laughs> we're going to take the flames of these things and we're going to pour some petrol on it and see what happens. I want us to lift our gaze. I want us to keep dreaming about the possibilities and have the faith to dare to do something. A pre-warning that uh, the end of this talk is actually a bit messy. Um, there is no clean, you know, three-point summary of what you need to do to have more faith. I would love that to be the case, but it's actually not because the end of this talk involves you. The end of this talk and the, end, the, the, the continuation of this story is you. All this talk is, is asking the questions, not giving you the answers. So let's get cracking. We are going to be using Abraham as an example of faith. Um, And we're going to look at him and see what we can learn about faith from him. So if you want to open your Bibles, we're looking at Romans 4. And we're starting at verse 18. Romans 4, verse 18. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so your offspring shall be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the fact that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded 
that God had the power to do what he had promised. So right at the beginning of the Bible, we have this chap called Abraham. And God comes up to Abraham and and speaks to him and makes him a promise. He says, Abraham, look at the stars. Look at the stars. Count them if you can, Abraham. Count them. Because your descendants are going to be just like that. You're not even going to be able to count the descendants that you have. However, there's a slight problem. To uh, put it politely, Moses is getting on a bit, or Abraham's getting on on a bit, sorry. He's old, and when he was given the promise, he was about 75. When the promise came through, he was actually about 100. His wife, Sarah, again, was old and was barren and couldn't have any kids. Now, I'm no medical expert, but those don't seem like great odds to be baby-making. All the odds in the world are stacked up against poor Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Yet, amidst all this circumstance, God promises him that his descendants will be like the stars, such that he won't be able to count them. So this is the point in Abraham's life when when Paul picks up this letter and he's referring back to him. You see, Abraham was faced with this dilemma. On the one hand, all the evidence told him that it ain't going to happen. You're not going to have a kid. Never mind descendants, you can't even have one. But God had promised him that he was going to. He had something to believe in. So faced with hopelessness in the world, he actually relied and believed in the promise of God. In faith that God would be true to his word. He believed in the hope of God. Paul writes it like this, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now that's the bit I absolutely love. That line is incredible. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. Now what if that was G2's story? You know, what if we could stand here in a year's time and say, against all hope, G2 in hope believed. So I was brought up in a Baptist church. So like all good Baptist preachers, I've got my three-point sermon on, on this, this piece. I haven't been able to get the alliteration down. I clearly didn't practice enough. But when it comes to faith in God, God, faith in God's promise, Abraham did three things. So he acknowledged the reality of the situation. He believed that God had the power to do what he had said, and he acted on that promise. So he acknowledged the reality of the situation, believed that God had the power to do what he had said, and he acted on the promise. So he acknowledged the reality of the the situation. Abraham was in a pickle. The facts were there. He was old. His wife was old. He couldn't have children. But he didn't shy away from this. On verse 19 it says, without weakening in his face, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He faced the fact. Abraham didn't have his head in the clouds. He wasn't oblivious. He wasn't ignorant. He didn't have his head in the sands or defiant or quite frankly, he wasn't just plain old dumb. He knew exactly what he was up against. You see, God doesn't want us to run away from the reality of things. His intention for us as Christians wasn't to stick our head in the sands. It wasn't to batten down the hatches just in the hope that we will make it through. Christian bubbles are a no-no. The reality is that this is life. 
And God wants us to face that life. It has the ups and downs. It has the good times, the bad times, and the downright mediocre times. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's great. It's an intricate web of emotions and relationships and connections and experiences that we've got to stand and be honest with ourselves. We're useless if we can't even stand and be honest with ourselves about where we are. So what is the reality? Holy prayed at the beginning about many of the things that we are actually facing as a reality. Across the country, Christianity is, is being pressurised. Across the world, even more so. Loneliness is on the rise. Mental health uh, situations are on the rise. There's poverty. There's corruption. There's anger. There's hate. There's wars. There's everything from basically the bad parts of the Bible kicking off all across this world. That's the reality that we face. It's getting harder and harder to stand up for our beliefs. As science and all sorts tries to give us all the answers, it's getting harder and harder as Christians to stand in our workplaces, in our friendship groups, in our universities, in our schools. But before we start getting all depressed and before we uh, sign it off that it's all doom and gloom and that there's no hope, let's actually look at the good that's happening as well. In the north coast of Ireland, uh, since January, there's a church there called Causeway Vineyards. And since the start of January this year, they've seen 1,500 people come to know Jesus. 1,500 people. In Wales, since May 2014, they've seen upwards of 700 healings. In our own church, we've seen baptisms, we've seen people joining it, are getting behind food banks, we've seen uh, charity trips, we've seen the students do uh, club mission. Before we sign ourselves off that the reality is all doom and gloom, actually take a look around you and see the good that God is doing. See that he is very much still alive. See that he is very much still working. The reality of the situation isn't that it's one or the other. It's that we're right in the middle. And the reality of the situation is there's great in the world and there's also the bad. So let's be wise about that. Let's realise that it's happening. And let's acknowledge the reality of the situation that we're actually in. Which leads us to point two. Abraham believed that God had the power to do what he had said. It says there in verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had, did, had the power to do what he had promised. For Abraham, God had given, given him a very specific promise. It's a, a clear word from God that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars. And no matter how improbable it seemed, Abraham believed him. This lesson of point number two is simple. It may not be easy, but it is simple. Believe that God has the power to do what he has promised. Now, a common argument in this, um, and myself included, is that I don't know what God's saying to me. I can't hear him. I don't know what it is. We convince ourselves that God is actually speaking in some kind of enigma. 
and we're Benedict Cumberbatch, and we're trying to break the, the, the evil machine that is trying and that, that is making these messages so hard to understand. Look, I can't go into the, the specifics of your individual words of God, and that is something for you, and, and you have to weigh them up and pray and seek counsel on those and ask wise people around you what they think of it. But in a general argument, this in a general sense, this argument of I don't know what God's saying. It doesn't really stand up. Because my, uh, my wife, Freya, uh, this is a bit of public affection. My wife, Freya, is beautiful, for one. You're welcome. It's like a wedding speech. Uh, <laughs> round two. My wife, Freya, has a great gift of faith. I'll embarrass her here now. She has a great gift of faith. She 100% believes that God can do whatever he says he believes. When Freya was five, she was praying for the teenagers at the back of the room to be healed. That's the kind of faith that she has, and she's inherited that from her parents and from her grandparents before that. So when I'm having a good freak out, and I am prone to my, my freak outs, I'm pretty good at them. When, I'm, when I don't know what's going on, when I'm confused, when I don't know what the next step is, she sits me down and says, right, what do you know? Often quite aggressively. <laughs> what do you know? And I'm like, uh, I know that I don't feel great. No, what do you know? And she literally makes me say out the positive things and what I know to be true about God. She makes me say it. God is good. He has never let me down before. He is sovereign and he is in control. So as a church, this is what we have to do. We go back to what we know. We go back to the Bible. God has promised us things left, right and centre in there. If you're ever confused, and even if you're not, you think you know what God's saying to you, go back to the Bible. Pick that thing up and read it. In Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is the promise of God. Isaiah 40, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar on wings like eagles and they will run and not get weary they will walk and not get faint Romans 8 nothing can separate us from God's love neither death nor life or angels or demons or fears or worries today or tomorrow nothing not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love Jeremiah 29 I know the plans I have for you they're plans for good not for disaster they're for a future and a hope Philippians 4 And this this is the same God who takes care of me and supplies all my needs. John 14, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. So don't be be troubled or afraid. And of course, Matthew 28 in the Great Commission. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You want to know what God's saying to you? That's it. It's a better sermon than I could ever give you. Pick up the Bible. It is absolutely laced with God's promises. 
So let's get our noses into the Bible. Let's let it immerse our very beings so that we can make the shift from knowing these things to really knowing these things. Fully believing that it's going to be true. So, acknowledge the reality, believe God has the power to do what he has promised. We're getting to the business end of things here. Faith, we've got to act on it. We've got to do something. Abraham says in verse 20, Yet he did not waver through the unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So Abraham knew the reality. He knew that God had promised him and he knew that God had the power to do it. So Abraham kept on living as if it was true. You've promised me descendants? Fantastic. Praise God. He kept on giving glory to God fully fully in faith that God was going to come through on his promises. He kept living as if God's promises were in fact true. So that's what we've got to do as a church. We've got, to, we've got to act on these promises of God. To go back to the surfing analogy, we've actually got to jump up. We've got to pop up. Like what would it look like if we truly acted like these promises were true? What if we lived in the truth of God's promises? Would we be braver to step up, more daring to take risks, less worried about what people will say? Less scared about the consequences, more confident that God is faithful, more comfortable in ourselves, that the opinion that matters most is that of God himself. Would we expect the unexpected? Would we invite someone to church? We had a few few baptisms a few months ago, and basically every single one of their stories went like this. A friend brought me to church, I met with God, I got baptised. Every single one of them. That was their story. They even named the people in this room that had invited them along. Would we expect the unexpected? What if our prayer life actually took God at his word? So Jesus tells us in the Lord's Prayer how to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the very thing that God wants in heaven, Jesus has told us, to pray for that on this earth. That perfection, that all-encompassing hope, that breakthrough in heaven is here on this earth. What, what would it look like if we actually prayed that prayer? We prayed boldly, claiming the very thing that Jesus has taught us how to pray. Would we expect the unexpected what if we took God's promise of him always being with, it and with us and really believed it? Like, would we finally go and do that thing, that, the idea that we've had, but we've just been a little bit scared to do? What would taking God at his word look like for our relationships, our jobs, our friendships, our investments, our money, our career plans, our location, our purpose and our free time? Would we be more generous, hospitable, loving, caring, patient, Peaceful, faithful, good, self-control, joyful. Would we see more healings? More friends coming to new gods? More lives being restored? More people knowing that they are loved and they are in fact worth everything? 
Would we see more radical giving and less selfishness? As I said, the end of this talk is, is messy. I'm not going to stand here to, and tell you what your response to this should be. It's not my style and it's not G2 style. You'll know what's been going on in your, in your head. The idea, the plan, the invitation, the event. What I'm standing here today and saying is go act on it. Do something. G2 has actually been built on the very, the, the very idea of going and doing something. It's on people trying something new. If you're waiting for a sign, this is it. Take a leap of faith. Take God at his words. I almost want to say I dare you. Because across the country and the world, there are stories after stories of people having the faith to trust in God's promises. And guess what? God is very much alive and kicking. The power of God is still working. It's still restoring, it's still freeing, it's still healing, and it's still saving. He has told us his promises. He has told us what he is about. So what if we as G2 stepped out in faith and actually claimed these promises that we've been given? So what is G2's story going to be? What is your story going to be? We're going to go into a time of worship now if the band want to come up. We're going to be just declaring these promises as a congregation and as a group of people, declaring that these promises of God are in fact true. Abraham's story was against all hope. He in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. So what's your story going to be? While we're worshipping, why don't you fill in the blanks to this statement? Against what? Against fear, self-doubt, embarrassment, worry, the improbable, the impossible. You, in hope, believed and so saw healings, saw friends coming to, to know God, saw breakthrough in your situation. Saw the 11th hour moment where God, finally, or God comes in and provides for you. So today, let that be our story. Against all hope, G2 in hope believed. And so saw God fulfill his promises. So saw the power of God do incredible things. So let's worship God today. Because he is faithful and his promises are true. So if everyone wants to stand... I'll just pray for us before before Tiffany's listening some worship. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, in York, in G2, in our work in our school, 
in our universities, in our families, in our friends. Let your will be done just as it is in heaven. God, we confidently come before you today. You have promised us that you will be with us. You have promised us peace of mind. You have promised us the power of your spirit. You have promised us that your yoke is is gentle and and you are humble, God. You have promised us that you know the plans for us. So God, we thank you for these and we claim these promises today as G2. God, I pray that your spirit comes down and you raise our faith, God. Those things that we pray for in the, in, in, at the beginning of this service, the doubts, the fears, the excitements, the, the embarrassments, the worries, the, the feelings of not, being, not having faith and the feelings of having lots of it, God. I pray that we put them in your hands, God. For those stopping us having faith, I pray we bind them and in the name of Jesus, I break those. And into their place, God, I pray confidence. I pray the power of your spirit, God. I pray boldness. I pray that we're a church that is daring, God. God, I proclaim the promise against all hope. G2 in hope believed. Let's worship God.